welcome to our community of growth, healing, and hope found in the resilience of others. Stories from producers to patriots to simply outstanding people. You will find inspiration in it all here on the Cutting Fences Podcast. And I'm your host, Kenny. I would love to know who your audience is mostly. Is it mostly farmers out there? Or is it um, scholastic people? Or what do you think? Yeah, rural and agricultural is really my audience. Those are that's kind of the stories that I tell. So that's the audience that I've drawn. So you can imagine just farmers and ranchers out there listening to this, hopefully. <laughs> that's great that you're doing it. I love it. Thank you. It's been very, very rewarding so far. It's been a blessing to get to be a set of ears for really, really inspiring stories. So I feel very blessed and fortunate to get to do it. Excellent. Well, your home looks beautiful. Thank you. I am having a blast just being retired. You know, I thought I might be bored. I was so passionate about my job and I was worried about retiring. And I, you know, as people say, you're busier when you're retired than you were at work (laughs) in a whole different way. And I've just loved putting my home together and I'm, I'm working on an art room upstairs where I'm painting when I'm home and I'm, I'm just having a blast. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Yeah, I was going to ask you what your plans are. Do you plan to travel in your retirement? Or oh, I kids? both. Yes and yes. <laughs> I have been going nuts with traveling. I mean, I'm gone 70 to 80% of the time because my son-in-law is a pilot and I get his wonderful United benefits for super cheap flights. Oh, that's amazing. So I am hopping on flights. Um, Saturday, I'm going to Spokane for an agribility conference. Do you know, I'm sure you know agribility. I do. Yeah. Sadly, I won't be making it to their regional Um, training. I'm bummed because I would love to meet you in person, but I I do. Yeah. Very good organization. I love, I was part of their staff at the university. And so I, I remained on their, um, the, the Nebraska board and also this national, um, workshop committee to, to plan the, the event. So I'm excited to get back and see my colleagues for the weekend, but, um, yeah, I'm traveling a lot. I have one new grandson and a grandbaby, uh, a granddaughter on the way oh, man. any day now. I'm so excited. <laughs> So I'm sort of halfway between both of them. They're about four hours each, well, six hours one way and four hours the other way. So I'm just living the dream. It sounds like it. Well, congrats on all the grandbabies and retirement. Um, sounds like you're doing it right. <laughs> I feel like I am. My my motto is live your joy. And even in times when you're, you know, at your worst, you're working, you're stressed, just do what you can to live your joy. And I'm trying to follow that motto. I love that. Well, that's a great segue to start. So we will just roll into it, Susan, if you want to tell us about a little bit about yourself, where you're joining us today and where you grew up. I am currently in Lincoln, Nebraska, and I've lived here just a little over a year since uh, retiring. And I was born in McCook, Nebraska, grew up there, lived there for a good 50 years, And I didn't live on a farm, but I was associated through my grandparents um, on both sides. Uh, One set of grandparents had a a ranch in Wyoming where they raised cattle. And I, you know, I went there every summer. We actually stayed in a cabin that didn't have any plumbing. It was, it was a blast, you know, (laughs) very connected to nature and roughing it with that. 
um, that that ranch then turned into a bison ranch when my mom was managing it after my grandparents were gone. So for two or three decades, it was a bison ranch, very successful. Um, on the other side, uh, my family is in Alabama. We have a farm down there. I was married to a guy who uh, whose family did some farming and ranching. So, you know, I, I've sat in the combine. I've ridden in the trucks a lot. I've helped check cows and do all that stuff. Never lived on a farm or a ranch myself. I'm just associated to it by, you know, short degrees of separation. Very nice. Wow. That's amazing. It's always fun to hear um, people's egg story. Cause it's so different for everyone. And it's, it's, but it's also so much the same too. It's funny how it's such a small world in the egg community. So all of that background brought you to your job, um, at the extension office and with agribility, correct? Correct. Yes. I got my, uh, master's degree very late in life at about age 50. I think I was, and I was looking for a job to, to utilize that degree, when this one came up, uh, I was an educator in rural health, wellness, and safety. That was my title, the only one in the state for University of Nebraska Extension. And I was based out of uh, Franklin County and Kearney County in Nebraska. And it ended up just changing my world. I, you know, I educated on anything related to health and wellness and sleep had been my passion for years. Um, even before my degree, I, I, I used to work for a wellness company where two or three times a week, we would get up at two 30 or three in the morning to drive and go to do a health fair. And, you know, then the next morning we would be expected to come into work at eight, you know, our, our hours were crazy and it really messed me up. And as farmers and ranchers know, when you have crazy hours, um, perhaps that's the reason your sleep isn't so great. It messes you up and it took years to get back on track. And I was kind of obsessed with that throughout my master's studies. And I did a lot of research uh, on, on sleep. And then when I got this job, I interviewed a lot of experts on the subject and it just became something that everybody wanted to know about. And everybody's obsessed with sleep because we don't understand it. We don't get enough of it. We want more of it. And I had a blast just um, going to educate adults, children, everybody about that. And by the way, I need to mention they are carrying on my program. I'm very proud of that. There are two (laughs) educators, Hannah Gunther and Jordan Luxa, who are carrying on that program to um, anyone who wants it in Nebraska or elsewhere, because there are no programs that we know of anywhere else in the country. Wow. Well, um, it's a very important program. I sit and ponder a lot of times about sleep, specifically in the egg population and how we begin to tackle that terrible beast is what it really feels like sometimes is how do we even begin with sleep and how to improve that because of their lifestyle and the needs of caring for the land and animals. Um, it's not usually on a eight hour sleep schedule, so it's hard to even imagine how to begin. So I would love to hear a little bit more about what you found in your research, but also what you kind of created throughout your programs. That what you said is all so true and we heard it a lot. And, uh, so my research partner and I, Amanda Prokaski, out at UNMC, um, we got some funding from Central State Center for Agricultural Safety and Health. I can say that all without <laughs> looking. We, we call it CS Cash, makes it a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we secured some funding to do research on farmers and ranchers or, or people in the ag industry and their sleep um, quality and quantity. 
and so it was right when the, the pandemic was beginning. So we had to do it in a way that was uh, feasible. And it worked out great. We got these little active watch devices that you wear on your wrist. And we recruited, let's see, we had, we had volunteers just suddenly. She was so impressed with how quickly the farmers and ranchers just came up and said, yes, I'll do that. She, she thought that would be the biggest challenge, but guess what? Farmers and ranchers stepped up, they, they offered to do it. And we had 40 at 41, we ended up with total, a total of 40 uh, men and women in the ag industry who did this for us. They wore this thing for a week during their busiest period and a week during their slowest period. So this study went on throughout the year because we had to rotate the watches in and out to people shipping them and, and it would record uh, continuous data of their activity, their sleep, um, any kind of movement they were doing. And so this is the first study of its kind that wasn't just self-reported. You know, there have been other studies, yeah. um, even through University of Nebraska, um, sorry, the medical, uh, UNMC in Omaha did a couple of studies and one of them involved um, checking balance after people, uh, ag people hadn't slept as well and, and mm. balance was severely affected. But all of that was self-reported. So this is the first time a study was done using actual data. Um, then they would send it, the watch back to us. Um, Amanda would compile all of this data. And what we learned, dun, da, 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 surprise, <laughs> surprise, as is kind of a no-brainer, but we had to do the research just to make sure of it. During the busiest times, um, the people in ag were sleeping a total of 28 minutes less per night, and they were spending 25 minutes less uh, in bed. So... You know, you hear 28 minutes, you think a half hour, big deal. Mm -hmm. But you consider that over weeks, four weeks, six weeks of calving or harvesting, whatever it is they're doing, that's a pretty substantial loss of sleep. Um, when you see all the statistics and the research about how important it is to, to get that quantity of sleep uh, and quality of sleep, you understand that 28 minutes per night over and over and over again is going to severely affect you. I know it can affect your safety, your, your mental health, your, your physical health, so many things that people just don't consider. So that's what we learned. Um, part of the study was just to see if it was feasible to do this study. You know, mm -hmm. that's, that's how new it was. So I'm hoping that someone will now take this, now that I'm retired, take this information, take this study. We're going to work on an article, uh, a journal article for it, so people can see our, our successes and our challenges, because there were some challenges. Um, but it helps us to learn and grow and do the next study. So, um, you know, what we know now is true. We mm -hmm. kind of knew it was going to be that way, but now that we know... Um, what our, our data showed, we know that it's true. And so then you, you ask, well, what do we do about that? Okay, so they're not getting enough sleep. How do we get more sleep? And that's a tough one to answer. It's every case is different. But of course, I think people in ag are so driven. They have that work ethic and it's difficult for them to take a break. Such mm -hmm. a simple thing. Just stop. Just take a break, a 15-minute yeah. break. Just rest. Just get out of the tractor and walk around a couple times because there's a lot of monotony involved with tasks on the farm or the ranch. And 
if you just break it up and get the blood flowing and, and let your mind do something a little bit different for a few minutes, you'd be amazed at how that helps. Um, taking naps is recommended. I often get that question. Is it good or bad to take a nap? Well, a short nap is great. 20 to 30 minutes is highly recommended. Anything over that, your, your, your brain tends to go into that deeper sleep. We, we have sleep modes every hour and a half. So you're in light sleep and then you go into deep sleep and back up to light, light sleep. That's usually about an hour and a half total. If you take a nap for only 20 to 30 minutes, you haven't dived into that deep sleep yet. And so you're not going to be groggy for several hours afterwards. So just the short nap is, is recommended. Um, but there are so many other ways to get better sleep that nobody thinks about. Those are the ones I love to promote. Um, they're things that you and I can do every day for free easily, but we just don't think about them. And I, so I have my top three. Would you like to hear the top three? I would love to hear the top three. <laughs> okay. So the first one, and in, in, in interviewing all of those experts that I talked to, I asked every single one of them the same question. Okay. What's the most important thing that I can tell my audiences? And guess what? They all said the same exact thing. And you're probably not going to guess what it is. It is get up at the same time every day. Mm. People are obsessed with bedtimes. You know, as children, we are taught, go to bed. It's your bedtime. This is your bedtime. Or, you know, we talk about bedtimes, but does anybody ever talk about their wake time? Mm. That's interesting. Heard, yeah. And before I had interviewed, I had never heard anybody say that, but they all said it. So that is my number one tip. And I know that in the ag industry, it's impossible to do that every day, all year long. But as you can um, do it when you can, for instance, this morning, I woke up at 6.15. I want my wake time to be 6.45 if possible every day. Mm. So I don't have a clock glaring at me. But I thought it might be about 6.45, so I tipped my phone up at an angle so it wasn't shining in my eyes, and I glanced at it, and it was 6.15, so I put it back down, and I closed my eyes, and I just tried to rest as much as I could until that time when um, I can, you know, turn on the lights and wake up my brain. Which brings me to my second tip. People... Um, may not understand, I certainly didn't understand before I started teaching this, how important it is to let that light into your eyes in the morning. And especially in the winter, you know, we tend to get that seasonal affective disorder when you're a little bit mm -hmm. depressed and you're down. Well, a lot of that has to do with the amount of light that you're not getting because it's a scientific biological fact that uh, sunlight is what wakes up our brain and shuts down the, the melatonin production that makes us sleep. So without that, we're just kind of dragging throughout our day. So it's best if you don't have sunlight, maybe get a, a phototherapy light. You can buy them um, on Amazon or wherever. They're called happy lights. They're called, um, oh, I can't remember the brand name of the one I bought, but there's, there's many out there. But just getting outside light is the best possible thing. Even on a cloudy day, it's better than indoor light. And that's going to flip the switch in your brain that says, oh, it's daytime. It's time to stop, stop sleeping. And it kind of sets your clock. So that all correlates back to that same wake time. You know, it's setting your clock to be more of a regular schedule so that 
later that night, you'll get sleepy at the same time and probably go to bed at the same time. Just keep that, that schedule regular. So sunlight is huge. And as we age, guess what? Our eyes aren't as good at taking in the sunlight as they used to be. So it takes even more light um, to mm-hmm. make us regulate our systems. So that's my second tip. My third one is temperature. Another one that I and many that I have taught didn't realize, you know, we all think we're supposed to be nice and warm and toasty in bed at night. And we are, but our rooms need to be chilly, like a cave. They need to be 60 to 68 degrees. And so here I am. Yeah. Are you cold? (laughs) I'm like, oh, I would have to really snuggle in. (laughs) And and it's great. You can pile on the blankets, whatever it takes, but your, your body senses the room temperature. And I'm a believer because I'm one of those. Okay. I got a shirt for Christmas that says, yes, I'm cold. 24. (laughs) People know I'm cold always the same way. (laughs) And so the thought of turning down that thermostat that low at night just made me cringe, but I'm teaching the stuff. I have to try this stuff. And I did. And oh my gosh, I slept like a baby. And so now in the winter, my thermostat is at 62 degrees at night and I sleep great. In the summer, I don't go quite that low, but I throw off a blanket, you know, you you compensate. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's that temperature, that core temperature, our bodies have to cool down two degrees in order to have good quality sleep. And so it's kind of counterintuitive. It's not what you would think, um, yeah. but I highly recommend it. Just keep your, your sleeping area nice and cool and dark like a cave. That is all very interesting. Thank you for those tips. You're welcome. Uh, they, they all make perfect sense when you explain them like that. And I do believe that colder rooms, you do sleep a lot better. Um, when I go home to my dad's house, he's, it's kind of an older house. And so it's always chilly in my room there. And I always sleep so much better. (laughs) So I, I know that that one's true and I believe the others too. And it's really interesting to think about the waking up at the same time. Um, even as an occupational therapist, we talk a lot about going to bed at the same time and having the same routine in the evening and making sure that that's set, but really turning the focus to the morning routine is an interesting, um, fact as well. And I think even in the egg community, I imagine that it's easier to set the morning routine a lot more solid and stable than in the evening. Cause in throughout your day, things come up and then you're working later than you expected. But that morning, it, it seems to be that it would be a little bit easier to make sure that that was set in stone. Yeah. Uh, so that's very interesting. Yeah, Thank and you. Wanna, you're welcome. That, that reminded me of uh, one pulmonologist that I interviewed, Dr. Cantrell in Kearney, mentioned that uh, if you're not sleepy at night, don't go to bed. You know, you, it's forcing you to probably lie there and with your eyes open and, and think and think, and then you just get on yeah. a, a, yeah, we all do it. Um, <laughs> so he said, wait till you're sleepy. You know, it's not as important to just get into bed at 10 o'clock or whatever your bedtime is. What's important is go to bed when you're sleepy and then get up at the same time every day. That is really interesting. Huh. Well, I'm going to start implementing all these tips for sure and sharing them for sure as well, because yes. um, we know sleep is so, so important. I did have a question for you with your research. Did you find or did you look into that that population was already not getting enough sleep? And then on top of that, they were getting 
23 or however many minutes each night less. Um, so they already weren't really at a baseline. So the, the significance of it was greater than just that 23 minutes. Well, the only studies that we found were that, um, for instance, farmers who slept less than seven and a half hours were something like 60 some percent more likely to have accidents and injuries the next day. However, as I said, those were all self-reported hours. So, you know, you can say, yes, I slept seven and a half hours when really you were in bed seven and a half hours, but maybe you only slept six and a half hours. Mm-hmm. So it's still, it's kind of unknown. We, we didn't, we didn't know how much they were really sleeping to begin with. This was all just very new to us. Yeah, it would be interesting to know. And that's the hard part of self-report studies in this population is like you say, they're, they're tough and they are, there's a lot, they have a lot of pride in what they do. And so a lot of times they don't even realize they're doing things that are affecting their sleep or their mental health or anything like that. Cause they're just focused on the task at hand and their duties in that and their families and everything in this crazy world that they don't, they kind of put themselves last a lot of the times. That is true. And not only do they put themselves last, they put sleep as a last priority because mm-hmm. it's something that people haven't necessarily correlated with health. You know, we, we preach about nutrition, we preach about exercise, but how often did we preach about sleep as we were growing up or, you know, what did we hear about that? Not much. I didn't anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That is very interesting. Well, thank you for sharing that. Is there anything else you'd like to share in regards to some of the programs that you created around your research? There is, um, as we were talking about those three tips, I have 30 of them (laughs) that people can access. They're still available um, online at go.unl.edu slash sleep tips, all one word. And I can send you that link. So there are 27 more tips on there about how to do things throughout your day to affect your your sleep at night. That's another thing that we don't stop and consider. Hey, what am I doing during my day that might affect how I'm going to sleep tonight? We A lot of us don't think. I, I think that way all the time now mm-hmm. um, because of what I've learned. But it has taken years to implement a lot of these steps for me. So I would suggest, you know, look up that link and maybe choose one one thing that you want to try for the week. See how that goes and then try another one next week. And then maybe some of those things will add up to helping you get some better sleep. Well, that's great. Thank you for sharing. And thank you so much for joining um, on the podcast. I appreciate your work and I appreciate you. Uh, This is so, so important. So thank you. Right back at you. I love what you're doing for this community and I'm sure they all appreciate it. So thank you for doing that. Thank you. I want to extend my greatest gratitude to my amazing sponsors. My prime sponsors include Joyce Fuel and Feeds, Helena Agri Enterprises, and Torgerson's. My choice sponsors include Stockman Bank, Nutrilix, Wilbur Ellis. My select sponsors include Montana Cattlemen's Association and Hoven Equipment Company. Thank you so much to all my sponsors for making this possible. <laughs>